0: Would you give God some praise as our new executive pastor comes to deliver the message today? In Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be home, our new home. Uh, Just give me a few seconds uh, just to kind of take it all in. Um, I'm so grateful to be here. You may be seated. We'll jump into into our message this morning. I just can't thank you guys enough for the opportunity. Um, Yeah, God is good. God is good. And uh, yeah, John was, uh, actually, he kind of beat me to it. Uh, You know, it started off as a joke of the first time I got invited, and then the second time I got invited, I just said, you know, usually... The first time they invite a guest speaker is just, uh, well, we've heard some good things about it. Let's see if it's true. And then the second invitation is kind of like, ah, just so he, the speaker doesn't feel like we only invited him once, so he won't feel that bad. Let's let's invite him again. But the, the litmus test, the real test, is is that third invitation because that third invitation says, okay, we believe that God has a calling over your life and we enjoy the ministry that you have. And uh, who would have thought what started off as a joke ended up being something serious uh, so this is the third invitation, and now I get to call this place uh, home. And so the moral of that story is don't don't play with, don't joke around with Pastor John, because at the end of the day, the joke's on you. The joke will be on you. Uh, but we're so grateful. Uh, my, my wife, thank you, baby Zoe, my mother-in-law who is here. Uh, my family was supposed to come, but all of a sudden, everybody got sick, so they're watching online. Uh, so uh, just to my parents, gracias. They speak Spanish, so let me just uh, switch languages here. Gracias, padres, por creer en mí, por uh, siempre estar a mi lado. Uh, y hay dos cámaras en este lugar, entonces cada cámara añade 10 libras. So son 20 libras más. Uh, no estoy tan grande, pero les agradezco a uh, todo su apoyo, sus oraciones. And so I just I just thank them, and I also let them know that there's two cameras, and each camera adds 10 pounds. So they're seeing me a little bit heavier, hefty, husky, than I really am. But I'm I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. Um, and so we're just gonna go straight into the message this morning. So if you where you're at, would you go with me to the book of Judges, or you can follow on the UVerse app, Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And it reads like this. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. And Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. And you will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And soon he had a pan of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. And the elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, wait a minute. Aren't you the ones who hated me? and drove me from my father's house. Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. And Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. And what a story. What a story. So let us pray. God, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this moment, this place, for the people, Lord, that are here. Lord, those that are watching, we pray that you would speak through us this morning. God, that it's not about us, Father, but what you you want to say through us, Father. So I pray that you would give us the liberty and the words to speak your word this morning, God, that it would be just but a seed planted in our hearts this morning. We thank you for this place, the grace in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And you'll have to excuse the, the preaching, Russ. It's been a while, but we'll get through it. And so what a story, right? In just 10 verses that we just read, it's a script for the ages. It's a it's a blockbuster movie. The plot twist that happens in just 10 verses is incredible, isn't it? And and so for the next couple of moments, I want to share with you this simple yet profound statement. That no season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus. No season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus. And so for the sake of title purposes, it would have been a long one. So we kind of reduce it to no wasted seasons. But the gist, the core of it is no season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus. And see, for some of you, that is just a statement. It's, it's just a phrase, nothing more. But for me, that, that's my, my testimony. And so my prayer is that before we leave this place, this statement or this phrase goes beyond just that, and it becomes your testimony as well. If you would have told me years ago, that I would be in a place like this, with a position like we have been given the opportunity to step into, I would have laughed rather quickly and changed the subject. (laughs) If you would have told me seven years ago when I left everything I ever knew and would be where I am now, I still would have laughed at you and changed the subject rather quickly. See, because when I headed west, my plans, (laughs) the only thing in my mind in, in the spirit of full disclosure was finances. Increase my finances, baby. That was it. I had a plan. A ministry wasn't even in my radar. Ministry wasn't even something I was looking for. It was I've already served. I've helped in my dad's church. Now it's about me and, and setting myself up for the future. But I feel like the moment I got here, like God laughed at me and said, that's a nice story, Izzy. That's a nice story. That's a cute dream you have there, but I have other plans for you, and it has nothing to do with finances and everything to do with your faith. And so we were honored to have served for the last seven years at Abundant Living Christian Center in Midland, under the leadership of of Bishop Abel Torres, in seven years that I will never forget, and that I'm forever grateful that I will um, that for everything we were a part of and, and the people we got to 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 know and serve with, and even though he's he's not here and he may never see this, I, I want to publicly thank him again for everything. From the moment we met, he trusted us and he, he and the gift we have, and he allowed us to serve and in different capacities, and even more importantly for me, when it was time to make that difficult decision to start a new chapter, he gracefully understood and gave us the pastoral blessing as well as the blessing of the local church. And And so if you would have told me three months ago that I would be in a position like this, I still would have laughed at you. Because that was not on our list, not even on our radar, but God's timing is beyond our logic and our and our itinerary and that's when it hit me no season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus I would have never imagined myself in a position like this or even in a place like this but I am so grateful that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not Our thoughts. And so I thought about this story, the story of Jephthah. And then I thought about us as as humanity in whole. See, I thought about how most of us here have survived some heartbreaking, life-changing experiences in our lives. And maybe for you, you're right in the middle of surviving a storm here today. And sometimes after we have survived, we're left wondering, why did I survive that storm? What what was the reason of my survival when it seemed like it would be my demise? Are you with me? Like, what was I supposed to learn through that storm that I could not have learned any other way? Anybody ever wondered that? Like, why was it that I survived and the other person or the other people didn't survive? Like, how could two people face the same storm and yet have two different outcomes what was the reason of my survival? What was the reason of your survival or surviving? See the story of Jephthah is one that I have come I have I have grown to love because there's more to the story and th- than what we are told and it's not an assumption because it'll reveal itself in the scriptures and first of all he is a he's a son of a warrior who he himself has become a warrior. And there's a way of the warrior that isn't for everyone else. See, not everyone in that town was a warrior. And it's not because they weren't chosen to be, but get this, but it was because to be a warrior, to become a warrior, you have to make the choice to lose some things in order to gain everything. See, I love that the writer tells us he wasn't just a warrior, no, no. He was a great warrior and to become a great warrior there must be some great sacrifice some great discipline some great focus you'll have to say no to some things now so that you can say yes to some things later but the story goes on to tell us that he wasn't just a great warrior but he was also the son of a prostitute like it's like you go from one side of the spectrum th- to the other rather quickly, right? Like you're, you're a great warrior and then all of a sudden you're swung to the other side, to the opposite side. And, but you're also a son of a prostitute. In these two scriptural, scriptures, you go from a high moment to a low moment rather quickly. And see, the storm that Jephthah has to survive isn't a survival of the fittest. No, no, no. Or a survival of the strongest. The position he is in becomes the survival of the weakest. He was a great warrior, but he was a son of a prostitute. He wasn't a brother. He was a half brother. Because though he is a warrior, he is seen as the weakest one. And point number one this morning. That Jephthah is the weakest warrior in this story. What an oxymoron, the weakest warrior. But Jephthah didn't know if then, what Paul would come to write years later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. So they, his family, reject him as one of their own, and they essentially run him out of town, and Jephthah flees to the land of Tob. Ain't it funny how you can be a great warrior, but at the same time be seen by others as the weakest one? How you can be called by God and yet rejected by your peers. Are you with me this morning? How you can have the qualities to succeed, but not be given the opportunity to succeed. How you can possess the right characteristics and somehow be viewed as the villain. You're a great warrior, Jephthah, but you're also the weakest one. The weakest warrior isn't a title to be proud of or something to showcase around town. It's almost one of those things that take a little of your life every day that passes. It's a small leak that will eventually leave you dry. It's a constant whisper throughout your journey. You're just not good enough, Jephthah. You're just not good enough it's feeling like you have reached your potential and there's nothing more you have to offer. It's hitting a spiritual wall that leaves you feeling like you've plateaued in your walk with Jesus. If Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, then why do I feel lifeless and feel like I lack in every area of my life? You're a great warrior, but you're also the weakest one. And as a result, the only option Jephthah feels he has is to flee, is to run away. And allow me to bring that closer to home. Isn't that how some of us have felt? (laughs) That the only good option we feel we have is to flee. If I could just get a fresh start somewhere else, that would solve everything. If I could just leave this small town where everyone knows my name and my past and move to a bigger city where I can get lost in the crowd, then I could reach my potential. Are you with me? If I could just run away, eventually my problems would be so far in the distance that maybe then it won't bother me, it won't hinder me, it won't break me anymore. His own family rejected him and truth be told, some of you know exactly what that feels like. And although I am sorry you had to experience that, I'm here to remind you that there are no wasted seasons when it is surrendered to Jesus. There are no wasted seasons when it is surrendered to Jesus. There are no wasted seasons when it is surrendered to Jesus. Jephthah feels like the only good option he has is to flee. And he does just that. But what he could not flee from what was, was, what was inside of him. And even if he was seen as the weakest warrior, he was still a warrior. So hear me this morning when I say, you are still a warrior. You are still a warrior. Through the ups and downs and all arounds, you are still a warrior. And in my mind, I'm seeing the ultimate warrior's expression. You can try to flee, but you cannot flee from what is inside of you. It's that voice that says, I'm not done with you just yet. There's still more I want to do through you. There's still more I want to show you. There's still more to this journey. Your story doesn't end this way. There's one more chapter. And Jeff to learned rather quickly that what made him a warrior wasn't the place, but it was the purpose within. It was the purpose within. See, I was thinking about this particular verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And I think how sometimes we misinterpret it, or at least that's my, my opinion. But 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10 says, each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Very key. For Christ. Not on your own doing. But for Christ's sake. And then it says... For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it's not saying that when you become weak, when you have no desire to go any further, when you're all drained out, then and only then will God come and rescue you. It's not saying that he'll wait till life has had its way with you and then... He'll decide to do something for you. It's not even saying that he'll allow you to lose the 11 rounds of the fight. And then he'll decide to show up on that 12th and final round. I don't think he's saying that at all. And so I suggest to you this morning that when it says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was talking about beautiful brokenness. Point number two, broken is beautiful. Beautiful. Broken is beautiful. See, in chapter 11, the previous chapter, Paul is having to defend his faith, and defend is a battle term. And in that defense, he tells them everything he has gone through in detail, and he's basically telling them that I have been beautifully broken, but it has been my brokenness that has produced in me the strength to become. It has been my brokenness that has produced in me the strength to become. One last time, it has been my brokenness that has produced in me the strength to become. Let me explain. See, the way you build muscle is that before it builds up, it has to be broken down first. Or in scientific terms, the muscle has to be damaged. The muscle has to be damaged so that when it repairs itself, it'll be stronger than before. It has to be broken down before it is built up again. And doesn't that sound like the story of our lives? (laughs) I mean, how many times have you found yourself broken and yet that brokenness wasn't the end of you? I know you said, I can't live without her. And yet here you are. I can't live without him. And here you are. You found yourself broken, and yet that brokenness wasn't the end of you because somehow within you, you found the courage, the boldness, even the anger, the holy anger, the killer instinct inside of you to get up and wipe those tears from your eyes and pick up the pieces of what was left and said, Never again, never again. And you began to build your life after that moment of brokenness. And after you have gone through that, you have become wiser hopefully you've become stronger hopefully you've become a better version of yourself hopefully see Jephthah this great warrior the son of a harlot experienced brokenness before he was built up again but Israel how do you know he was built up again he stayed ready just because he wasn't in his hometown didn't doesn't mean that he wasn't a warrior he was a warrior whether he was in his town or or out of town he stayed ready he was still a great warrior even if they considered him the weakest link he continued to be what he was a great warrior so that when the leaders of the town that he was kicked out of go looking for him and find him they basically plead him to come back to the place of rejection And come rescue us. Be our leader and lead us into battle. See, if he had let the brokenness become his identity, then he would not have been ready to go back and lead as soon as they needed him to. In fact, the scriptures we read say that as soon as he got to the land of Tob, the the place he fled to, he had, I love this phrase, he had a band of worthless rebels following him. See, the weakest link in their eyes was a warrior leading a band of worthless rebels. The weakest link in their eyes was a warrior leading a band of worthless rebels. The weakest link was a warrior leading a band of worthless rebels. He stayed ready. He stayed committed to what he was. He stayed focused. He stayed disciplined, even if it wasn't his hometown. See, that's the way of a warrior to stay ready. And some of you have felt rejected, maybe even neglected. Maybe you feel like your time is over and you don't have much left to offer. Or maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer anymore. But hear me when I say point number three, the rejected because Becomes the rescuer. The rejected becomes the rescuer. And he says, because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. And Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler Over all the people. And the Lord is our witness. Still just replied. We promise to do whatever you say. See your brokenness was. Meant to build you up. Stronger than before. For when I am weak. Then I am made strong. Broken is beautiful. Broken is beautiful. And I'm afraid that we have created this idea. That we are to hide our brokenness from everyone far be it from me that I let people know that I'm not perfect and, and that I have my share of struggles, that I don't wake up speaking in tongues or singing psalms. God forbid you let people know that you need prayer because you're not doing so well or so good in your journey with God. Like somehow we have created this idea that brokenness is for the sinners and if you fail, then you should just get, you just you should just figure things out before you come into our community again. It's like hide your scars, hide your emotions, Hide your tears and just testify of his goodness and not of your brokenness. Nobody wants to hear your struggles. Nobody wants to hear how how tough life is for you right now. Nobody wants to know that your heart has been betrayed yet again. That you've lost your job or that you're on your last legs of faith. Nobody wants to hear about your brokenness. But everyone wants to hear about the blessings. Because that is what goes viral. That is what gets views. Except that Jesus... Shows us that brokenness is beautiful when it is surrendered to Jesus. That the only way it becomes a masterpiece is if you bring the pieces to the master. Mm. Except that Jesus, on more than one occasion, shows us that brokenness is preceded with blessings. That after the blessing comes the brokenness. How many of us want to be blessed? (laughs) Except that Jesus isn't all that interested in views and what goes viral. But he's interested in the value he has placed in the vessel that is you. He'll leave the 99 for the, for the one. And time after time, Jesus shares What the people are in need of. There's a moment of blessing followed by a moment of brokenness, but it would be that brokenness that would feed the multitudes. It would be that moment of brokenness that allows for a far more greater and closer connection to those around you because it is no longer a survival of the fittest, but it becomes a survival of the weakest, a survival of the broken ones, a survival of the rejected ones, a survival of the warrior. See, because when we're in the mindset of a, the survival of the fittest, we find ourselves in competition with everyone else. But when the mindset is survival of the weakest, we no longer have time to compete against each other because all of our time is focused on healing the wounds that we carry. We are focused on finding a way to be whole again and to be complete again. And so I thought about how it's usually through our brokenness, that allows for a far more greater connection with others. And so I'll say it this way, it's possible for brokenness to become a blessing. It's possible for brokenness to become a blessing. It's possible for your brokenness and my brokenness to become a blessing. If I hadn't gone through the seasons I went through, I would not be here. And in case you're wondering, no, they haven't all been good seasons, and no, I haven't always made the right decisions. But no season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus. And you say, No, you don't know my story. No, 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 you don't know my story. <laughs> and I can tell you as a testimony that no season is ever wasted when it is surrendered to Jesus. In closing, where the worship team helped me see, your survival isn't worthless. Whatever you've been through, whatever your story is, your survival is meaningful. It's full of meaning. See, I didn't survive coming into this world lifeless for nothing. So That when they handed me to my mother, they handed her a lifeless boy, a dead son. But God had other plans for me. He had assignments for me to fulfill. So even though I came into this world lifeless, I'll be darned if I go to my grave, having lived a lifeless life, a life without purpose, a life without passion, a life that isn't surrendered to the one that gave everything for me. See, I didn't survive looking down the dark barrel of a gun at the age of 12 because I was at the wrong place, at the wrong time, with the wrong people. And I didn't survive, or better yet said, surviving a, a decision I made years ago. That at times it feels like it'll be my demise. And at times it feels like it's my saving grace to continue. See, I didn't survive those things just to survive, to put them on a resume. No. And you haven't survived the things you have survived or survived being. To put that on a resume either. Whether you realize it or not, there is purpose for your survival. There are no wasted seasons when it is surrendered to Jesus. There are no wasted seasons. When it is surrendered to Jesus. By the way, I think it's important to know that the name Jephthah literally means God opens. The name of this great warrior, son of a prostitute, means God opens. And the land that he flees to, the land of Tob, means good. They rejected him and kicked him out. And he was isolated from his own family. But what he didn't know was that God was about to open a good thing that would place him in position to become not the rejected anymore, but to become the rescuer. (laughs) The rejected ones will become the rescuers. And I'll say it to a strikes a core in your core. The rejected ones will become the rescuers. The rejected ones will become the rescuers. See, I hope you know that God has a good thing to open for you so that you can step into when we surrender it to Jesus. May you come to understand that brokenness is beautiful, that your scars are evidence That the thing that was meant to take you out didn't take you out. That the pull within was greater than what was trying to pull you down. And for some of us, we have physical scars. I'm full of physical scars. (laughs) But some of you are full of emotional scars. And then some of you are full of spiritual scars right place you're in the right place that brokenness becomes the fabric that stitches us together (laughs) because one can put a thousand to flight the Bible says and two can put ten thousand to flight (laughs) it's not one on one it's an army in here The rejected ones will become the rescuers. So stay ready because your story, take it from me. Your story is far from over. There are no wasted seasons when it is surrendered to Jesus. And some of you this morning won't say it, but you feel like Jephthah. Reject it. And the only good option you feel you have is to flee. And you feel like the seasons you've been through are just too much to overcome now. But there's one thing left to do, and that is surrender it to Jesus this morning. Just one thing, surrender it to Jesus this morning. So I speak to all the Jephthahs in this place, and I stand here as a testimony that if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Will you trust him again? And surrender the thing you've been carrying. And if the altar workers can help me and take their place this morning. And as the worship team leads us in a time of worship, I I invite the Jephthas in this place. Because at one point or another, maybe you weren't literally rejected, but we feel like that. Sometimes we feel rejected by life itself or by opportunities we thought they were ours. And all of a sudden they're gone or given to someone else. But I will stand here with the rest of you, Cheftas, and wait for you to come. And let's surrender this thing together as a band of worthless rebels ready to conquer and to see Jesus glorified in this city with every head bowed and eye closed. I know there are Jephthahs in this place. I know I'm not the only one. I know there's one Jephthah in this place. If that's you, would you come? There's an altar worker ready to help you break through, ready to help you release that thing that you've been carrying. That though you feel rejected, you know that you are not forgotten by God. That the calling is still inside of you. You cannot run away from it. That though your mistakes might have been great, his grace is much greater. I'm waiting for you, Jephthah. I'm waiting for you this morning. I'm waiting for you this morning. Lord, give your people the courage to stand. Lord, they are not here by themselves. We stand with him, Lord.